Hey, Rose, do you ever call up Royally Obsessed on Alexa? It's one of the easiest ways to listen to the pod. You can hear our latest episode every week there, thanks to Amazon Music, which has a full catalog of podcasts, including Royally Obsessed. All you have to do is say, Alexa, play Royally Obsessed on Amazon Music. Oh, no, mine is listening to me say that right at this moment. <laughs> a royal reminder, new episodes drop every Thursday. Tune in on Amazon Music. Now on to the show. Please rise for their majesties of Royally Obsessed, the podcast for all things royals. Stand by! Three cheers for Her Majesty the Queen! Welcome back to Royally Obsessed. I'm Roberta. And I'm Rachel. And it's time for your weekly update on all the royal news you need to know. A couple of reminders, as always, before we dive in, follow us on Instagram at Royally Obsessed Podcast. You can also join the Facebook group, Royally Obsessed. You can subscribe to the podcast and leave us a royal rating, pretty please. Also, send us an email at info at gallerypodcasts, with an S S. on the end, (laughs) dot com. (laughs) Rachel, how are you doing? I'm good. I'm good. It's early, though. So we are changing the recording time to be really up to the minute. There's so much royals breaking news these days. So um, it's early. It's 9 a.m. on Wednesday before this episode comes out. But we still have our Irish coffee. Yes, we're jumping ahead to the royal refreshment. Happy St. Patrick's Happy Day. Happy St. Patrick's Day. Yes, I know. It's uh, I didn't wear green. I feel disappointed <gasps> in myself. Me either. Oh, no. I'll have to change later. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to change. change. <laughs> <laughs> I just, my brain wasn't working as, you know, right when I got up about when I was getting dressed. But anyways, I'm doing good. I think that it's so wild to think that really this is kind of the week of the, this is like the one year anniversary of the pandemic for us. I know. It's felt like. I mean, decades and also just gone by so fast because I haven't really done that much. Yeah. It's crazy. I know. I know. I mean, but it's, but how do you feel about it? I, it's weird. I like looked back at my camera roll um, to see one year ago and I was at medieval times. Oh my God. I remember when you did that. (laughs) Like what if like people were eating turkey legs with their hands? Like what? It just is crazy to think about it it's it's honestly mind-blowing what about you have you like done that like looked back at a year ago I mean the funny thing is my camera roll would have me at Celine Dion (laughs) I went and saw Celine Dion concert at the Barclays Center in Brooklyn and I remember I think that was actually like on the cusp of going into March it was like a a week before everything shut down but it was just um, I remember being like is this okay like you know, and it was before all the kind of mask mandates and that information is like, we're just like belting it out. Singing seems like the worst COVID spreader at the time. Right. But, you know, it's like looking back at like a parallel universe. It's like, how how did we do those things? Like, yeah, in another time. And the fear was there. Like, I remember the fear was like a little bit in the background, but we yeah. weren't fully Sizzling like in the back. Yeah. 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 I remember also like what's funny is it, around this time toward more toward the end of March, I'm like taking pictures of like Zoom calls and happy hours and stuff. And oh, being like, yeah. this is so fun and cute. And like, look at all my friends on the screen in a grid or like, look at our coworkers having a little happy hour. And now it's like, please don't invite me to another Zoom happy hour. I know. Well, I think the, the, the hard part was that it just felt so temporary at the time. So yeah. it was like kind of this fun, you know, I feel like there was a great piece actually on Pure Wow that Jenny, our coworker, wrote just saying how, you know, in the beginning, it was kind of like a reprieve from the the rush of getting on the subway and, you know, right. the stress of getting to the office. And you kind of had a chance to kind of just 
cuddle up at home, but then just the reality of it really hit. Yeah. So anyways, but lots <sighs> to get into this episode. Uh, more fallout from the Oprah interview as we expected and predicted. I think I'm still in a very big phase of where do we go from here? I mean, I think I I, we're all a little bit, you know, everyone seems to be moving forward, Harry and Meghan included, but I feel like there's just a lot to still process. I know. I still feel like we need to hear a lot more from from the royals. Yeah. So we'll get into that. Exactly. We also were talking about Mother's Day in the UK. There were so many tributes, including an update about August, maybe August, who I feel like has kind of been lost in the shuffle of things. You know, we just were continuing to kind of yearn for updates from Princess Eugenie. And an update, finally, a good update on Prince Philip's health. That and so much more coming up. But first, as Roberta sort of teased... And now it's time for the weekly royal cocktail. The toast! (laughs) Cheers! What are you sipping today, Roberta? I have some iced coffee. I should have done what you did, which was... I just, like, did a little splash of whiskey in my coffee. (laughs) Because it's so early, but I made it Irish because of St. Patty's. And we're toasting to Mm. Pippa Middleton's baby news. Cheers! More baby news. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. clink. Clink, clink. I, that was such a ha- I mean that was a really happy surprise to hear um her second kid a daughter Grace Elizabeth Jane arrived on March I love 15th. that name by yeah. the way do you, do you, it's like very I feel like it's modern but also kind of regal like mm-hmm. Elizabeth feels Jane is I like I love the name Jane Jane Austen and but, it's Kate's middle name so yes, it's yeah. nice not I, I believe that is, it's yeah. likely a a nod to her sister more than I know people are saying it's also a nod to Queen Elizabeth. But yeah, I feel I think, like that's yeah. it's more about Kate, I think. <laughs> and, uh, you know, Kate and William are said to be overjoyed at the news, which I don't know. I just feel like it's it's very exciting to me. I also just think about like the dichotomy of Harry and Meghan expecting and, you know, they're also having a girl and sort of having that sort of parallel going on. But I did think also it was interesting that Pippa delivered at the Lindo wing. Um, I did, I was curious to kind of just understand that because obviously it's a different treatment than what Kate and William receive, you know, when they've had their, you know, royal babies there. But I feel like I was I was reading up on it. And did you know that you can get a celebratory high tea with optional champagne when you have a baby? What? <laughs> That was Whoa. not in my maternity, my delivery package. Oh, my God. I knew it was, like, swanky, but I did not know you could get a high tea package. Yeah. That's isn't that kind of cool? Yeah. Hysterical. I thought that was great. It's also, um, I think, around 5,900 pounds for the first 24 hours of an overnight stay there. So it's – and that's for a standard room, so not even, like, the – the fancy oh, setup. Wow. So. It's got to be so incredibly lush and nice and amazing. I'm waiting for James Middleton to say something on Instagram because he's active on oh, Instagram. I love him on Instagram. Me I think too. of you every time he posts. I love when he – didn't he do the um, pink champagne when Charlotte was born? Oh, I don't Yeah, remember. I think he did. I need it to, was like, look back. really cute. So hopefully we'll see some of that. And Ella.co right. is a great follow too because he's oh, yeah. kind of cross at referencing himself. Anyways, all right, moving on. (laughs) Moving on. Um, We had a wonderful reader email from Sonia this week. We shortened it here for time's sake, but I'm going to read some snippets of it. She said, Dear Rachel and Roberta, I hope you've both had time to digest the interview. She continues, The bridesmaid dress debacle is infuriating, the skin tone topic repulsive, but the revelation that Megan wanted to end her life and there was nothing the firm could do about it because she wasn't a paid employee. 
I wish Oprah would have pushed for an explanation as to what Harry did after his wife went to the firm for help and they said no. How could the new Fab Four's patronage of the charity Heads Together let this happen? The hypocrisy of lending support to a mental health organization while one of their own is suffering in addition to Prince William speaking out against racism in the football leagues is rich. She said, also, I'm glad to see Piers Morgan has moved on to be alone with his opinions. Cretan. <laughs> and she continued, pour yourselves a hefty royal cocktail. And here's to your own mental health getting through your upcoming shows. Thank you for providing a safe zone while we try comprehending this maelstrom. Your faithful minion, Sonia. Oh, I know. It is true. It's a lot. I mean, kind of, you know, thinking about this 24 hours a day is kind of how it's felt, right? We're really in the thick of, of all of the coverage always. I and feel like... You and I have also just outside of this, these recordings have leaned on each other a lot for support. I know I yeah, have. And same. It's it's heavy stuff. Like it's, it really it's is. It's very heavy and it's it's really tough to process. And we still are working through a lot of it, I think. Um, and we will talk about it here. And I feel like this is this is such a great outlet to talk about it. So yeah, definitely. I did want to say, you know, just at the mention of Piers Morgan that we did find out that Megan herself wrote to ITV to yes. file a complaint that that came out and just and her reason for that was just because for anyone struggling with mental health issues watching what he was saying it's just not okay it's so not. good good for her for writing in but i know now i'm thinking too that like itv saw that and they were like okay either you're fired or you say you quit you know what i mean like i just think that at that point there was no other option for him so yeah exactly and talk cretin. about a maelstrom it's like Sonia yeah called him a cretin, cretin. <laughs> It's so good. Uh, all right. Well, in royal history. And now, this week in royal history. This is sort of a, you know, controversial. I, I feel like ugh, bringing up Prince Andrew, but this ugh, is a, a double, um, you know, double whammy, I guess you could say, in that the, the Duke and Duchess of York, they got engaged March 19th, 1986. And then six years later, they announced their separation on March 19th, 1992. So it was exactly six years to the date of their engagement announcement, which I thought was crazy. Um, Andrew actually proposed to Fergie when he was 26 years old. And Fergie was a mere five months older than Andrew. So they were much more in line in terms of their ages. But mm-hmm. um, I think that, I don't know if you had a chance to watch any snippets of the engagement interview. I love that we have this kind of archive of footage to go back to because the engagement interviews are so unique to each person, but their dynamic is particularly perplexing because it's kind of jokey and bantery, but like almost like they're like, Answering the questions, but then being like, heh, 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 and like eye rolling to each other. Like, it's very I watched awkward. Prison and I, I felt so awkward watching this because one, the folded arms, he's like yeah. man spreading and he has his arms folded across it's so his chest. Arrogant. And it's so, it's like, it's almost like way too casual. Like, you know, yeah. it just went in the wrong direction with that. Like, I think he was trying to be relatable. I don't know, but it is like really cringy at a lot of points. He also like talks over her so much. He like is, I don't know. It just, it felt really weird. And comparing it to the Diana and Charles interview, I'm like, which one is worse? I think that I this one is. Like, I, I think that this is more cringy. Exactly. And I just even think some of the questions like, and I may be reading into this, but where he the interview is, says there were no fears using the word settling down. And Andrew said, what do you mean settling down? And I will ad- acknowledge that he's asking for clarity on the question and recovers by saying, I don't see there's anything settling in it. So nice, nice play. But it's just funny, like knowing what we know now, obviously, about his ties to Jeffrey Epstein and like how much was going on with him. I mean, just his sort of I just think that it's it's very interesting what was going on during those years. Also, like, 
props to Fergie because I think that she realizes how weird he's being in this interview and, and kind of tries to recover from it. Like she adds like, we're a good team and like yeah. is trying to make it like more romantic and cute, which is what the interviewer obviously wants. Like he's like, this is an engagement interview. We want you guys to be like this cute lovey dovey couple. And and he's so not, and she kind of saves them for a little bit. She does, like her joking nature. I respected her role in that, yeah. Because it's like where you need to see the video, because her eyes kind of bug out a few times being like, oh, like he, she definitely keeps it light <laughs> when weird. he's being so like a little just awkward. Like almost like inappropriate, like nudge, nudge, wink, wink. Yes. And it's like, ew, stop. That's exactly how I felt where it was like, that's what I mean, where it's like the nudge, nudge. Yeah. yeah. Um, but one particular clip that stood out from their interview is a moment when actually Princess Diana is mentioned. Have you in the, in the course of uh, this rather last difficult month or so had uh, advice from the Princess of Wales who went through the, much the same thing? Again? Uh, the Princess of Wales now extremely good friends. I mean, naturally talk about a lot of Different subjects. Like dealing with the media? Lots of different subjects. Yes, I think that's probably the best way of, of, of answering that. I mean, very, I very good friends. There are so many different, differing ideas about how to handle yourself that you can't take one person's advice all the time. Although there is no one better than the Princess of Wales. Fergie kind of sweeps in and saves it. And I do think that that is a clip where even listening to it, it you need to see his body language when he's talking about it. But mm-hmm. he almost comes across like immediately stiffens at the mention of Princess Diana. And I'm so curious sort of the background of that, if there were like if there was a competitive nature with him, you know, be in the shadow of Prince Charles, his older brother. But Fergie is immediately defensive of Princess Diana. Yeah. And he even says like, well, you can't lean on one person. She's like, no, no, no. She is the best person to lean on. And it's like, oh, wow. Okay. So there's just, yeah, yeah there's definitely tension there. For a lot sure. to unpack. But yeah, yeah. I, I also just the reference of like the media and what she was clearly dealing with was very much on the minds of every, you know, people were noticing it. And this was back in 1986. So anyways, uh, fast forward, we know that they went on to marry July 23rd, 1986. They announced their separation exactly six years later on March 19th, 1992. As I said, uh, Fergie was actually the one that initiated the formal separation. And this is where it's also kind of, you know, it just in the context of what's going on today, it's just interesting to hear what she actually said. She said it was it was an unusually personal statement. And the, it said, in view of the media speculation, which the Queen finds especially undesirable during the general election campaign, Her Majesty is issuing the following statement. She then goes on to talk about Fergie's lawyers and being the ones that are responsible for this kind of kicking off and ends with, the Queen hopes that the media will spare the Duke and Duchess of York and their children any intrusion. So just the idea, like, it's just a simple statement. That's all we kind of, I just can't help but think of the Duke and Duchess of Sussex. Like, why couldn't something along those lines have been said with everything that Meghan and Harry endured? I found it um, also astounding, the parallels. So Fergie did an uh, interview with Oprah Mm -hmm. after the separation. And I thought that was really interesting because YouTube, you know, like serves you up all these videos that relate to what you're just watching. So I was watching the engagement interview and then that one came up. And I was watching her interview with Oprah and she talks about being so unhappy. She said the press are so incredibly cruel, abusive and invasive. And it just feels like it it's like everything that Meghan and Harry were saying. And and she talks about Diana and she relates her story to that. And it sounds like they and Diana is still alive at this point. This was 1996 and that they were still 
friends, but not very not as close as they used to be. I think they had kind of, I think they had a falling out. Yeah. Yeah. They had a falling out. So, but it was so interesting to think that she sat down with Oprah as well and did, and the interview is really good. I mean, Oprah's incredible as we've said many times. Um, it's, it's good to watch. So, yeah. yeah. And I do, I do want to quickly mention just because I mean, any time bring up Prince Andrew, just feels like I can't believe the different levels of treatment in terms of when you're comparing what his experience is, what he's kind of put the royal family through, which is awful. I mean, he stepped back as a senior royal and with all of his ties to Jeffrey Epstein, and that's still unfolding. We don't hear about that as often as we hear about Meghan and Harry, which is wild. But just also the the comparison, like Prince Harry's military honors were stripped, but Andrew's weren't. And he's also no longer a working royal. The internal investigation into bullying claims that were, you know, is playing out as we speak um, in relation to Megan. And there's been no internal investigation or acknowledgement of that of Andrew's actions. I mean, which are appalling. And, you know, even just the fact that Andrew still has royal security to the tune of what I read was 300,000 pounds a year is what they cover for him. That's sickening. I keep thinking back to that. He's the favorite, though. That's what I keep from the crown. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that he's like the favorite child and that he will be protected. But it's mind blowing that there's been so much talk about investing, investigating these three year old bullying claims. Yeah. And then there's not anything about him. It just is not right. It's not right. But it is it is fascinating to us, to the world, that Fergie and Andrew continue to cohabitate. And Fergie has explained it away, saying we are one of the best examples of joint parenting, but she stood by him through all of this and that incredibly damning interview. Uh, so it's it's fascinating. It is. Moving on, our first update. We had a couple updates, actually, from Prince William and Kate and the Queen. So we'll get into that first. Prince William. So... He was asked at an event last week about the interview, and he said he has not spoken to Harry since, but he will do. And he also said, my family is very much not racist. Mm. So on the fly, he was walking, you know, point A to point B. It's He obviously feels like Kensington Palace probably told the reporters not to ask anything, and they still shouted out questions. It doesn't feel rehearsed at all. But I'm curious, what were your initial thoughts about this? I was just like, my heart sank because I was just like, come on, William. Like, why would that be anything that you would say? I think obviously we want a response, but I think no response would have been better than that. Um, I think if he was going to give a response, like do something bold and be like, we're reflecting, we're thinking, we're processing, we're learning. We love Meghan and Harry and we desperately want to be there for them. And that is what matters most. And and actively anti-racist. I think that that's yeah. been a lot of what we've, yeah, like all learned over this past year. And, and just, you can't say something on the fly like this. Like, I think that that's what's bothering me the most mm-hmm. is that they have an entire team of comms people and they couldn't come up with something better than this. I think he let his anger show. You know what I yeah. mean? I think that it wasn't he couldn't hold in his anger. And so he released that. He threw that kind of statement over the back of his shoulder as he was walking by. And it, then you got the headlines that like his quote, you know, royal family, not a racist family. It just was awful. Yeah, it was bad. I also I was kind of infuriated by the fact that he hasn't reached out to them mm-hmm. when the things that have been 
put forth by the Sussexes that Megan was struggling. She was suicidal. She was told not to get help for her mental health issues. And mm-hmm. um, the fact that, you know, they had en- endured some racist comments from the family and a lot more from the press, like, I, and that he hasn't reached out. It's like, if you really were doing something, you would have talked to them by now, mm-hmm. right? Like, that's yeah. what I feel like is that it just, it, it's like, how how after six days of knowing what's been said, have you not have you not t- contacted? Yeah, the them? fact that he acknowledged that publicly was just unfortunate. Yeah, well that and that brings us to Gail King. So Gail King gave us an update on CBS this morning. Well, I'm not trying to break news, but I did actually call them to see how they were feeling, and it's true. Harry has talked to his brother, and he has talked to his father too. Uh, the word I was given was that the, those conversations were not productive. But they are glad that they're, they have at least started a conversation. And I think what is still upsetting to them is the the palace keeps saying they want to work it out privately. But yet they believe these, these false stories are coming out that are very disparaging against Meghan still. No one is in the royal family has talked to Meghan yet uh, at this particular time. And I think it's frustrating for them to see that it's a racial conversation about the royal family when all they wanted all along was for the royals to intervene and tell the press to stop with the unfair inaccurate false stories that definitely have a racial slant. And until you can acknowledge that, I think it's going to be hard to move forward. But they both want to move forward with this. And they both want, you know, they want healing in this family. At the end of the day, that is Harry's family. So what's interesting is Gail King is now kind of, and CBS have become like the spokesperson for the Sussexes in this. And I find it extremely hypocritical when people are criticizing that because we've heard a lot of criticism of the Sussexes and them telling why are they giving, you know, these scoops or these leaks to an American TV company. But isn't that what the Royal family is doing with the tabloids? Like, mm-hmm. I just, I, I don't get how they can't see that that's the, that's the same. And, and the Sussexes need a way to get their side of the story out there. And so I think that this is their best option. So they've definitely chosen CBS yeah. as, as that mouthpiece. Um, I think Gail King summed it up perfectly. She said, Houston, we have a problem. I mean, I cannot believe that no one has reached out to Megan yet. I think that that's what's most astounding about all of this. Mm-hmm. Um, what do you think? Well, yeah. I mean, going back to William's statement, I think that him saying that the royal family is not a racist family is missing the point of this conversation. It's like, I think he's, it's, you can't get, it's easy to get defensive, right? But I think that that's not the right reaction here. They need to look at how they can heal together and, but also take those words that Megan and Harry shared to heart, if that makes sense, where Mm -hmm. there are, racism is occurring and it's subtle and overt. And I think that it's more that they need to reflect on that versus just say blanket statement that they're not. It's sort of deny. It goes back to sort of everything that we've been talking about for the past year with like everything that happened with the Black Lives Matter movement last June. I just feel like denying its existence is is not the solution. Does that make sense? Right. Show us you're actively working toward being better. Yeah. Show us that you acknowledge that that's a thing that has occurred and because we all see it. I mean, it's very clear right. that it's happened. And so to say it's it's like the, it's not to say that I'm not, I'm not even saying it's not that he I'm sure William feels that to a certain extent, but it's that there needs to be sort of an open conversation 
that helps everyone learn from what's happened. No, I think that's, and it's, it's upsetting that, you know, Gail King says like, not only have they not reached out to Megan, but the conversations were unproductive. Harry's getting nowhere with them. And mm-hmm. I think that that's what's hard is that, you know, he's already heard William say we're very much not a racist family, which is denying what Harry told Oprah on camera that this is someone in my family asked about how dark Archie's skin would be when he was born. So I don't know. But yeah. Gail King goes on to say that Megan has the receipts of everything. Her friend and actress Janina Gavanker also went on ITV this week and backed this up. She said that there were texts and emails from Megan that are evidence for everything that she said on the interview. So she also says she watched the Oprah special with them and the whole family and staff knew about Megan's mental health struggles, which I think is a pretty big bombshell that has not been talked about very much in that Mm -hmm. they all knew and did nothing. And I think, you know, not just the family, but there's an entire team of staff dedicated to them. And yet no one was able to kind of give them the help or tell them what the right thing to do was. They were actually told not to get help. So Mm -hmm. I think that that's, or Megan was told, I mean, um, interestingly, Janina, and this this interview with ITV is is very tense because she comes on and she's like, I obviously can't speak for Harry and Meghan, but the interviewers really probe her about it and it gets heated. But she says she's actually glad the palace is investigating the bullying accusations because it'll shed light on how the Sussexes have been wronged in all of this, mm-hmm. which I think is just even more of a testament to how Meghan has every bit of evidence she needs. Of course she has screenshots about this. Of course she has, you know, emails from her staff Mm -hmm. telling her not to go get help for her thoughts of depression and suicide. Like she has the evidence. And if Buckingham Palace is going to hire an external law firm to investigate it, we'll go ahead because look what's going to come out. Mm -hmm. It's that the staff were not. So, well, she even mentioned in the Oprah interview how she, I mean, it makes sense that she would have that backup because she's used to having like a union when she was an actor where you did kind of, you know, if something was playing out that was not right, you document. I mean, I think most of us know that. I did want to say that I, um, you know, so many celebrities keep stepping up. And I, in particular, really liked what Michelle Obama said, where she said, mm. the thing that I hope for and the thing that I think about is that the fir- that this first and foremost is a family. And I pray for forgiveness and healing for them th- so that they can use this as a teachable moment for us all. And I think that that is a really nice summation because that is so much of what I'm looking for. Like, I want to see them learning from this and growing from this in real time. Yeah. She also mentions not making public service about yourself. And I kind of Mm -hmm. think it's not a mean criticism of the Sussexes, but I do think it's important for them to remember like the family drama is not what public, you know, like this is so it's taking away from what they're doing. And I think that Mm -hmm. they, as long as the drama is dragged out, it's just going to, it's, not going to look good. You know, it's not yeah. going to look good for them and it's going to distract from their work, which I think is so important. They have made a lot of moves with their charity. Yeah, they're making had. so many moves. Ever This interview ended and they've been really right. busy. They've had new hires. So yeah, but I, I think Michelle Obama is kind of like, guys, get your shit together because yeah. <laughs> we need to move on. When they go low, we go high. Yes. Love it. Next up, Kate visits the Sarah Everard Memorial. So if you haven't heard the story, I'm sure you have by now, but quick Summary, on the evening of March 3rd, Sarah Everard was walking home from a friend's house. 
She was walking from Clapham to Brixton in London. She was wearing a bright colored jacket. She had a mask. She talked to her boyfriend on the phone. She walked by CCTV cameras. She disappeared that night. She was missing on March 3rd. Police confirmed that remains were found over 50 miles from where she was last seen and that those belonged to Everard and a police officer has now been charged with her kidnapping and murder. So this has really kind of roiled London. People on social media have shared stories about how unsafe they feel walking home at night, about uh, women have shared stories about assault, and it's intense. It's becoming um, a really big issue for London and the rest of the world. I feel like people from all over the globe are chiming in about this. Yeah, absolutely. I feel like especially I, I was kind of reading about it a lot Saturday night right before bed and um, and just also the idea that it was a police officer that di- was the one responsible. Right. And then the the Scotland Yard's response that they would up the police presence to help women feel safe. That really struck a, a nerve for me where I was just Ugh. like, uh, that yeah. doesn't make me feel safe with everything that has obviously happened here. But anyways, yeah. So Kate attended the memorial site and she laid daffodils. She was there about five minutes and was caught on camera, news cameras. Uh, Sky TV's Thomas Newton said, Today I went and paid my respects to Sarah Everard. While I was there, the Duchess of Cambridge did the same. It was serendipity that meant that HRH and I were there at the same moment. An attempt to find conspiracy in her motives is grotesque. Um, A lot of people said, you know, she was there without a mask. She walked right in front of the news cameras. Her team knew this was an opportune moment to kind of shift the narrative away from Meghan and Harry and the Oprah interview and do a good thing. But it's interesting that the royal family wouldn't particularly want her actually showing up. That's how I feel. I think that just some other, you know, sort of devil's advocate opinions on this is, yes, she wasn't wearing a mask or no, she wasn't wearing a mask, but um But I think that they would have foreseen that narrative that it's like, oh, she's trying to change the press about her and William right now by showing up to this. I think that that to say that this was super calculated feels off to me because I think that the potential for an an appearance like this to backfire would have been large and they would have thought about that. They also released a statement that said, yes, Kate was there. She wanted to pay her respects to the family and to Sarah. She remembers what it was like to walk around London at night before she was married. That resonates a lot personally, right? For you too, I'm sure. It's just like all women. Definitely. The catcalling, the, I just think that that, yeah. So in in this, her appearance, I think too, has raised awareness of this. Um, That night though, there were arrests of some of the protesters and the images were just Shocking. I mean, they were absolutely heart-wrenching. Women being arrested for um, protesting that they canceled the vigil and all this stuff. So it's really messy. But I think that, you know, I I would have hoped that she would have worn a mask just because to keep herself safe. Yeah, I know. But then I'm like, did she get the vaccine? And we just haven't heard yet. So I I think it's more... I think that what I was reading is also the protocol, especially when you're outdoors, is a lot, you know, more laid back in the UK. But I am. Yeah. I mean, it's bizarre. And then one last quick update from the Queen. So the Queen Zoomed with kids and scientists three days after the Oprah interview for British Science Week. She was able to look at pictures of Mars. They did like a little slideshow. She was asked during the video call about the Russian cosmonaut Yuri Gagarin, the first man in space who she actually met in 1961. And she was asked what he was like. And she made everyone laugh by replying he was just Russian. (laughs) 
She also said that she was glad that a meteor didn't hit anybody when it fell on a town recently in England. And I mean, this was a bright kind of light spot in a, in a heavy week, but I also think it was kind of just a distraction. Well, honestly, all I can think is, man, duty calls for the queen, right? It's like you yeah. think about what's in the background of her brain, you know, while on this Zoom. It's like her husband, Prince Philip, is still in the hospital at this point. Mm-hmm. You know, the Oprah interview is very much having massive repercussions on the family. William's making a casual comment that he shouldn't have made. And she is very much the show the royal show must go on. It's fascinating. Yeah, it really is. And she has the sweetest little bye at the end. That's like all of us. She's definitely proficient in Zoom. We we applaud her efforts there. All right, well, moving on. Mother's Day in the UK, always kind of a delightful surprise. It's, I guess, also the perfect distraction from the Oprah interview in a lot of ways. I feel like there's been so much royal news, as always is the case, but it is bizarre in that sort of, in the background with that only a week after the Oprah interview aired to have all these posts about Mother's Day. Uh, But from Kate and William, they shared cards from George, Charlotte, and Louis in memory of Princess Diana for William. And I think that this was interesting just because it was something that their caption revealed they do every year. I thought that was really sweet. That was really sweet, yeah. Yeah, because it's a nice way to acknowledge Diana's presence in their lives and in their dad's lives. You know, I think that must be very important to their family. I'm assuming that first illustration that is very impressive is by George. What do you think? The one with like the birds and it's like the tree and everything. It's very well done. Oh, yeah. Because then his little note follows and then you have Charlotte's note that says Papa is missing you and they also refer to her as Granny Diana, which I thought that was so cute. Granny Diana. And Charlotte's handwriting, like all the kids' handwriting is pretty impressive. You know what it made me think of is uh, reading about Elizabeth and Margaret and how they were schooled together. And Margaret's four years younger and had to learn all the lessons that Elizabeth was learning. So she was way ahead of her kind of grade school level. And I feel like Charlotte is the same thing with George where they're being taught by the same person and they're learning the same things. And so Charlotte is actually way ahead of the curve. This handwriting is incredible. It's it's as good as George's, which is really, really something. It's amazing. And then I loved Louis following it up and it seemed like that was potentially more finger painting, which also on the one year anniversary of the pandemic made me think back to Kate's Pinterest craft with the rainbow where he did that. I'm like, he's, I think Louis's pretty good at that. But yeah, I just think in general, it's the idea behind with Charlotte's note, Papa is missing you. For me, that was heavy to read only and really sad because it makes me feel particularly reflective of the fact that Diana really is a North Star for both Harry and William. Mm -hmm. And from across the world, they are looking to her during this very volatile time, likely considering what her point of view would have been with the current events and their divide. I just think that that seeing them post those cards kind of drove home that fact that, you know, Harry obviously is compared to Diana a ton in his, in all of his actions. And William has that connection as well. So I imagine that it's it has to it's be really, really heart, heartbreaking, yeah. right? Yeah. To think like, what would Diana be thinking of all of this? Exactly. I feel like for William too, to feel like there's so many ways in which Harry has said that history is repeating itself with him. But I think William, you know, is they're both her sons. And I think they would love to have her here to consult and to, and to lean on. And I think that that's what's heartbreaking is that they, I, I just am hoping for them to, to reconcile and, and 
that she'll be in their hearts when they do because I think that that's what she would have wanted. Mm-hmm. Sort of like the guide through that. that yeah. That's the, the ultimate purpose of them reuniting and working things out. Um, William and Kate also shared a picture of Kate with Carol Middleton, which I thought, and, and a picture, They, I guess the kids made a cake for Kate in honor of Mother's Day, but they followed it up with a picture of Carol who seemingly was pregnant with Pippa in that photo. I was trying to do the math on their ages because I oh. think I think Kate looked maybe about one to two years old. And we know that James was born in 1987. So it likely wasn't James if if Carol is pregnant in that photo. It appeared that she was. Uh, but I just, my immediate reaction when I saw that photo is that Carol totally had a Diana Bob. Yeah, she did. She did. <laughs> I was like, I really thought, like, I was like, oh my gosh. I mean, but it makes sense too. I mean, that was the style back then, but also you know, taking your cue from Diana. And I was really But also more, the dress feels very Diana, it feels, too. The whole look feels mm-hmm. very Diana. Mm-hmm. Um, but this made me laugh that, did you read that the Diana Bob is trending for spring? No. Yes. And I won't be trying it out. <laughs> <laughs> I just thought they're like, I think it was Glamour in the UK said that that's, and they interviewed all these stylists saying that that's what people are asking for. Wow. I love it. So I'm sure, I'm sure that certain people can pull it off. I cannot pull oh, it off. Oh, I could but. not. I have way too fine hair, but it made me laugh. So, anyways, uh, we also heard from Princess Eugenie, which is such a delight because I feel like she's been lost, you know, I mean, probably to her benefit, like, right, that she doesn't have to, she can just kind of enjoy those early months of motherhood in the privacy of her own home and without totally. the limelight. But we saw a picture of August on a blanket next to daffodils. And I just loved his little pants, which I looked up are from the e- English Beagle, but the little whale print. So cute. They're so, still so cute. still available to buy. <laughs> so uh, and the little bunny booties, which it seems like Eugenie has an affinity for those like animal themed booties, in my opinion. But yeah. Uh, and then also, did you see that Eugenie is back at Frogmore Cottage? Eugene, they, no. That's where they moved. Okay, so I feel like this was also something that was lost in everything with the Oprah interview. They drove home from the Portland Hospital to Frogmore Cottage. That's so interesting. Yeah. Wait, how do we know this? People Magazine reported oh. it. Yeah, and they said that it's con- a lot of respected publications picked it up, that that's where they went straight home with August after his birth. So that makes me wonder why they went back to move in with her parents and then are back there now. Maybe they were having something done to Yeah, maybe it, they like were having the some work done. It just goes to show this like insane sort of, you know, conversation. We're like, why did they leave? And then, you know, I think that it's all just hearsay. I liked... um also, Fergie's post on Instagram on Mother's Day, she said, to my mom, you're with me every day and you'd be so proud of your great-grandson, August. Thank you for Aww. all you taught me and the joy you showed me. I thought that was really sweet. Her great-grandson. Yeah. Fergie's such a window into the royals world that is we underestimate, I feel like, sometimes. I, I feel the same way about James Middleton. Yes. Totally. And a weird, like, just such, so tangential, but, like, just, I feel like everything he does, like, it's like, oh. The Middletons are doing that. Yeah. I don't know. And actually, I will say really quickly that oh, the Fergie's sort of appearance or reference in the Oprah interview about helping Megan being like, oh, this is how you curtsy and like, you got this. And it just came across like very, you know, positive towards Fergie. I'm excited about the book. Yes. Oh, my gosh. Please. I can't wait. It's coming soon. I keep forgetting and then I'll remember and I'll just start laughing to myself. Her heart for a compass. Yes. That video is is a delight. Uh, but we did also hear via Omad Scobie, who heard from a spokesperson for Harry, that he arranged for flowers to be laid at her final resting place in Althorpe on, on the Spencer family estate. So I think just 
Again, him making the effort to release a statement to acknowledge the fact that he is still there in spirit. Yeah, that was really, really sweet. Before we adjourn the Royal Pod, here are our highs and lows. It's time for the Royal Highs and Lows. My low is the palace investigation into those bullying claims. The Times is reporting that an external law firm will now investigate them. After the initial statement received a lot of backlash because people were like, how can your own HR department investigate your HR department? Which, you know, makes sense. I think that it's important that they have an external person come in that's what any company would do i think if this if we think about this as just like a company that has a working and functioning hr department you'd think that they would want someone external to look into this so it's interesting though gail can confirm that harry and megan will not be a part of the initial inquiry on cbs this morning even though they asked the palace to take part so Mm. they will be left out but like janina said on that itv interview I would love to hear what they find, you know? I think that it's going to show a different story to what um, a lot of the UK tabloids believe. So, yeah, what really seems so is the the things that hang me up about this are, one, that Buckingham Palace, we have no control over what they share. I think that it's good that the external law firm will come in and, and do the investigating, but will we hear the final report? I don't know. And also... Where, again, where is the investigation that someone told Megan to not get help for suicidal thoughts or that someone had questioned how dark Archie's skin would be or that Prince Andrew was Epstein's BFF? You know, like, I just think, where are those investigations? So yeah, that's that's my low. A very open-ended question. No, I I agree with all of it. My low this week is just the the range of conflicting news reports. I feel like we're hearing so much from it. Royal exclusive that Harry and William are on track to attend the unveiling of Diana's statue at Kensington Palace in July. That's been scheduled. We've talked about it before. And one of the sources is claiming that a reunion is confirmed. That source is The Sun. That was one of the tabloids that was cut off by Harry and Meghan. But The Telegraph is also reporting in. They're a very respected publication, and their source is someone close to Prince Harry, who said that Harry desperately hopes to attend the event and considers it a top priority. I just feel like this interview is rock bottom for William and Harry, but we still, you know, straight from William's mouth, we don't, and Gail King, we really don't know the status of these conversations. So it feels like a massive leap to be able to confirm that they will be together on July 1st. So anyways, I had like news whiplash about this because it was like, they're not going to be there. And I was like, no. And then it was like, they are going to be together. And I was like, yes. It was just like, <laughs> it, was, it was like back and forth, back and forth. Yeah. So it's just so, until you hear it from them, it's, that's why it's so valuable getting yeah. something like the Oprah interview because it's straight from the mouths of the royals themselves exactly my high is saint patrick's day it's saint patrick's day today that we're recording and i am definitely craving a guinness even though it's (laughs) 10 a.m um (laughs) the cambridges did record a saint patrick's day video for the government of ireland also in the video president biden prime minister trudeau jacinda ardern they're all a part of it i do kind of hate that they're still acting like nothing has happened but it is kind of cute we're delighted to wish you all a very happy St. Patrick's Day. How come you put that easy bit? It's like a kind of cute banter, but it's like, come on, guys. Yeah, in light of everything that's going on. I but I, I, I think know. that it goes along with what the Queen is doing. It's just like duty above all yeah. else. That's their MO. 
So ending on a very major high, Prince Philip is home from the hospital. And I feel like hearing this, honestly, when we were first prepping for the episode, I was going to be like, Bueller? Like, what's going on with Prince Philip that's not been talked about? So it was such a relief to hear that he is officially home at Windsor Castle after being treated for an infection. He was at the hospital for 28 days, two different hospitals. And we heard from Charles, who popped by a pop-up vaccine clinic that he told the press that he was thrilled that his dad was home and had already spoken to him several times. So all I can think is poor Philip and what he's likely catching up on. If he was, you know, hopefully he was shielded from all of this while he was focusing on his health. But now I'm sure he has a lot to get up to speed on in terms of what happened with the Oprah interview. And I feel like the queen will lean on him to for his advice and all of it, too. I think that she's done that time and time again. I'm sure Charles, all of them will. I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. Who knows? (laughs) I'm so, so thrilled that he's okay and he's out. But the pictures of him leaving the hospital. But he is. sorry, but. He is 99, though. He's almost 100 a couple months away. Even just a mask? Would that help to like, I don't just, I don't know. It's, he's, he's old. He's He's very old. old. That's all I'll say. Yep. All right. (laughs) Just a reminder before we close. Leave us a royal rating. Here is one. It's titled, So Glad to Have Found This Podcast. I'm obsessed with every tidbit about the royals, so this podcast was a great find for me. The queen and her family represent themselves with such class and kindness, and the hosts of Royally Obsessed hold themselves to the same high standards. It's such a pleasure to listen to two positive ladies that can give us the latest news and updates without negativity or foul language. You both are so refreshing. Five stars from me. Thanks, Donna. Oops, without foul language, I probably am the one that's guilty of the foul language the most. <laughs> I definitely just said shit in this episode, but it's fine. Sorry. You're forgiven. You're forgiven. Okay. <laughs> Reminder to subscribe so you never miss an episode. Follow us on Instagram at Royally Obsessed Podcast and the Facebook group. You can also follow us personally. I'm at Robbie Frito. And I'm at RKBNYC. And send us an email at info at gallerypodcasts.com. Till next week, God save the pod. Her Majesties of Royally Obsessed have retired for this episode. God save the pod. And if you fancy the podcast, give Royally Obsessed the royal rating of five stars on Apple Podcasts. Follow us on Instagram at Royally Obsessed Podcast and join our Facebook group, Royally Obsessed. Royally Obsessed is a gallery podcast production.